What we want to maximize is not expected return. It's not expected wealth. It's some kind of risk-adjusted wealth or risk-adjusted return. And we all know that, but we have to be really careful that we don't fall into a trap of maximizing expected value or expected money or expected return. To hear more about managing risk in the face of uncertainty, subscribe to PGIM's The Outthinking Investor in your favorite podcast app. Pushkin. Stock returns, not just in the US, but in the entire world in 2023, have been dominated by just seven stocks. The Magnificent Seven, and you have definitely heard of them. NVIDIA, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, and Tesla. In July on Unhedged, two of our correspondents took bets on their favorite three of the Magnificent Seven tech stocks. Now, with just a few weeks left in the year, we take stock of how they're doing. This is Unhedged, the markets and finance show from the Financial Times and Pushkin. I'm reporter Ethan Wu here in the New York studio, joined by Rob Value This Armstrong. What up? And from a hotel room in Chicago, Elaine putting the Lex into Flex more. Hi. I decided to reprise both of your nicknames from the last time we did this draft style pick, but we thought we'd do kind of a mid-year check-in. Uh, we got a lot of stocks to run through. I mean, by far the most interesting one, I think, has been NVIDIA, which was controversial last time we talked about it. Rob thought the peak was kind of in for NVIDIA. Elaine thought there was a lot more to go. And it's been the best performer among the Magnificent Seven, up 11.5% since we last recorded in July. Elaine, how does it how does it feel to have picked the uh, biggest winner? <laughs> it feels amazing. But I have to give Rob some credit because in a way, we were both right and both wrong. NVIDIA came out with some spectacular earnings between the time that we last spoke, which Unbelievable. is like, what I was expecting and what they had hinted at. But the stock has been quite volatile. Things have stalled in the last couple of months. It's up, but it, I thought it would be up a lot more. I thought we would be talking you know, about it sort of steaming straight ahead of everyone. Even the CEO has come out and talked about his company being always in peril. And a lot of that is to do with China. I mean- the fact was the earnings were unbelievable. Wall Street's expectations were sky high. They crushed even those. And in the immediate aftermath, the stock didn't move. So everybody knows this stock is killing it. The question is, is it so richly priced that it can't possibly do anything to give the stock another leg up? Yeah. Two things I think that we're thinking about. And one is that they've just come out with a new AI chip. So if they can keep their position ahead of everyone else in AI going, then they should do very well. But also, it just depends on what happens to the sale of their chips to China and if there's more tightening. Rob, you've been writing about some of the kind of longer term competitive pressures on NVIDIA, which you know I think people conventionally think of as you know from other chip makers catching up. But you, your point, talking to some analysts, was that it's actually not NVIDIA. It's the other big techs that could, you know, if NVIDIA has the luxury car of processors, Amazon or Google or Microsoft could give you the, the SUV. This is a long-term story. It's not going to affect you know what happens in the rest of this year or even next year. But the point is the people who are going to be selling artificial intelligence services are largely going to be the large platform companies you just mentioned. And for them, it is going to be a cost game. Artificial intelligence consumes an incredible amount of computer power. And they are going to want to build very cost-efficient ways to deliver that product to users. 
is that solution they get to eventually, that cost-effective solution, going to use NVIDIA's highly specialized, very expensive, very high-performing products, or something that is cheap and cheerful and made in-house? I think that's the long-term question. But again, that ain't happened in 2024. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one of those companies, Google, another Elaine pick that performed very well uh, in the last couple months, up 11.2%. Google has been kind of a cloud story recently. That seems to be the big part of earnings that investors fixate on. And the stock- Not just for Google. Not just for Google. <laughs> uh, and But Google took a, took a bit of a beating on its last earnings call. It had strong but decelerating sales in the cloud division, and investors took a big chunk out of the price. Yeah. Incredibly unfair. Google Cloud up 22%. All right, that's the slowest pace of growth in a couple of years. But if you have one section of your business that everyone's interested in, and it's up 22%, I don't think that's fair that the <laughs> yeah. stock sells off so much after that. And it's also very important that despite murmurs that we are the, the fast-growing U.S. economy might just be slowing down, Google's business, advertising business, economically sensitive, mm. and it punched well. Yeah. I mean, it punched its weight. So uh, it was a good pick by Elaine, I hate to say. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I guess they were really <laughs> punished because they couldn't really point to anything to do with AI and cloud. If they had, I think it doesn't matter if it was the smallest amount of money, then I think the stock would have gone upwards. But just because they couldn't, then it didn't matter what other numbers it was showing. And the fact the overall business is growing very fast and things are going great. I mean, the one thing we should talk about maybe a bit is, is the regulation. So I don't think it's going to split Alphabet or Google apart, but it's really under pressure at the moment. It's got multiple cases against it across multiple parts of its business. And that's going to get more uncomfortable as yeah. the year goes on. Well, another Elaine pick that is also facing some regulatory scrutiny is Apple, which was the worst of the six tech stocks that you guys picked, down 2.3% in the last few months. Apple's been having a lot of problems recently. I mean, its its main manufacturing partner, Foxconn, is under investigation in China now, which people think could be a form of kind of Chinese government retaliation. And it has a variety of other antitrust problems in the West, too. Uh, the EU is looking at its iMessage business. It, it's got it's got issues. And I, I unfortunately dragged down Elaine's portfolio a little bit as a result. Ethan, whose side are you on? I feel like you're not on my side. <laughs> I'm a shill for Rob's portfolio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people want them to pay their taxes. That yeah, is a problem. That too. There's a problem with sales in China. That That is a serious problem. There's a reason that Tim Cook is flying out to Beijing and trying to um, show how how the company's products are still popular with consumers because there has been government action to reduce sales of iPhones. Although they are still the most popular smartphones in the world, that, that has to count for something. Apple hasn't really come out with anything new. There's We've got the virtual reality headsets coming. No one's that excited about it. Where no, There's no self-driving car. It still has this incredibly popular group of products and interlocking services. It's a huge company. There's no growth, but it's still incredibly profitable and it makes a lot of cash. It's a, I think it's a sort of almost safe stock, but safe, massive stock. I don't know. It might not be the biggest company in the world next year. We'll see. Structurally, this is like the best company in the history of companies in terms <laughs> of return, profitability, barriers to entry. I mean, it is a monster. It is not a coincidence that Warren Buffett has like a third of his total portfolio in Apple. Yeah. You know, he's looking at the structural characteristics of this business and saying, this is one that you can't screw up. Yeah. And Apple has an incredible history of proving that it can reinvent itself yeah. across multiple product lines and that 
don't even have that many similarities to each other. And it's a long, long history too. And so, you know, it has the people, it has the proven history of innovation, it has the resources and the cash, and it has the brand. I mean, I think, like Elaine's saying, there's a lot to there's a lot to be excited about, even if I markets have been a bit down. I knew I'd get you back on my side, yeah. Ethan. <laughs> Didn't take long. Well, I, I just wanted to push back against the idea I'm shilling for Rob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's move on to Rob's portfolio. The best performer of which in the past few months has been Amazon, up a sprightly 9.4%. I, I find Amazon incredibly hard to think about because it's just like these two totally unrelated businesses that are valued on God knows what. Yeah, and, that, and but both of the businesses I think are doing fine. The online retail business is growing in kind of mid to high single digits and just sort of churns along and is very good. The AWS, the cloud business, grows significantly faster than that did well this quarter, the business just kind of churns along. And the reason to own the stock as an investor is that you think that they have dials they can turn where they can turn their quite low margins into higher margins. The fantasy is always you get Amazon's revenue and revenue growth and you put a Walmart-like profit margin on that. And right. all of a sudden you're making loads of money. Now, all that said, the issue that has me tossing and turning in my bed at night as I think about having picked this stock is the fact that the fastest growing part of their business is the advertising part of their business. This is charging third parties to appear in certain positions or have ads appear on Amazon's own website. And this is like a $12 billion a quarter business. It's a huge business. It's growing like 25, 26%. It's a monster. It is also precisely the business that the FTC is suing them over, saying Amazon behaves anti-competitively, that it uses its dominant position in online retail to both keep its prices high and to kind of pick winners among the people who sell on its platform. It's a serious case. I don't know how it's going to go. We've all read the complaint. All I can tell you is it's Amazon's fastest growing business and the U.S. government has it squarely in its sights. I would say the the one thing it has on its side, or it's got lots of things on its side, but one of the things it has on its side is the fact that the new CEO, Andy Jassy, is supposed to have a good or a better relationship with policymakers of Washington than mm. Bezos did. Less yes. combative, better at sort of mending bridges, and that's going to help. It was an issue that Bezos, who I think is the greatest businessman of our era, is also the world's most annoying person. <laughs> In terms of dealing with regulators, that was an important fact, and it's good that it's different now. Yeah. Fewer leather jackets, fewer sunglasses, more friends in Washington. Yes. Another of Rob's picks that's done quite well in the past few months, Microsoft up 9.3%. This is another big cloud name. 24% year-over-year growth in this cloud division, which was accelerating from Q2. The kind of bizarre thing is, like, in terms of growth rates, it's actually about the same as Google. And yes. also the total revenue is, like, pretty comparable. But accelerating versus decelerating is, like, seems to be what markets care about in the cloud I division. I picked Microsoft first. It's boring. That's how I like it. It sells to big businesses. Big businesses are better insulated against economic turbulence than small businesses. It has a cloud business that's growing well. That's all you need to know. It's just going to sit there and win me this contest. I've got some numbers that I think are less boring about Microsoft, oh, okay. which are the fact that it has a possible $29 billion bill for back taxes. Well, who doesn't? Who among <laughs> us? <laughs> 
$75 billion deal for Activision Blizzard that it doesn't really want to buy anymore, but it mm. kind of has to because, you know, it's it's gone on so long now. Now it really wants to be involved in open AI. So that's another few. <laughs> it's a few potential more billions of dollars that it's going to invest. I, I should say that I actually, I like this stock and I think it could be one of the biggest, maybe the biggest company on markets next year, but um, spending a lot of money at the moment. Little known fact, the Unhedged podcast is a shell company designed for Rob Armstrong to avoid back taxes. Little, <laughs> little known fact. All right. Final stock in Rob's portfolio, Meta, up 7.2%. I mean, this stock, you know, it took probably the biggest beating from higher interest rates and it's had the most spectacular comeback. But if I remember correctly, no one was particularly excited about this one when we last talked about it. Look, the, the stock chart tells the tale. December 1... 2021, $336 stock. And then Mark Zuckerberg starts talking about the metaverse all the time. Some months later, October 1st of 22, it's a $93 stock. Where's the moment where he came out with a picture of the avatar of him with no legs? I mean, it was just like it was a value destruction carnival that Zuckerberg was running there. But to his credit, it's now the year of efficiency. The year of efficiency. He calls it. He stopped talking so much about the metaverse, the product that no one wants. He has cut costs. He's articulated a AI strategy that makes a little bit more sense. And lo and behold, the stock is $330 again. The only thing that worries me about this is that the company might take a look at this and say that it's time to start throwing money away again. That 2024 is the year of stupidity. <laughs> so, Zuckerberg's quite busy being beaten up in his um, martial arts program. Yeah, oh, that too. So he may have he may not have enough time in his hands to come and talk about reality labs. You joke, but I think there is something That's to be problem. said. Yeah. You, I think there should be said in general about companies. A CEO with time on his hands. Yeah. A CEO who who is inclined to just do stuff because they want to do stuff. That is bad news. Yeah. So let him enjoy his chokeholds and his uh, whatever else they do in mixed martial arts and let the company just continue making money. If you're going to have all the voting power, I feel like you should maybe not put yourself in harm's way in this way, is my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Putting it all together, Elaine picked NVIDIA up 11.5%, Apple down 2.2%, and Google up 11.2% for an average of 6.8%. Rob picked Microsoft up 9.3%. Amazon up 9.4 and Meta up 7.2 for an average of 8.6%. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 1.8 percentage points ahead of Elaine. Rob, how does it feel to have 1.8 percentage points higher IQ than Elaine? Man, it feels good. (laughs) We're midway through, Rob. I wouldn't crow. Yeah, I'll I'll move. Yeah, yeah, no, no. To to be honest with you, people look on those meta numbers. I'm looking at meta and knowing that my my fate is in the hands of that stock. So we will see. You hear that, Zuckerberg? Well, we didn't talk about Tesla, which we we definitely should because it's really been the most spectacular of the tech stocks in the past few months. It's down 17.4%, and both of you very wisely avoided picking it. Dumpster fire. Yeah. Disaster. I think we're scaredy cats. It moves around. I mean, it's up 100% this year to date. But it's just that it's off a lot in the last few months. It's all over the place. I would say you're not giving yourself credit. I think we should have some moment of self-congratulation, the <laughs> two of us. The, the skeptical story on Tesla has always been very consistent, and it is this. Tesla makes a very good product that other very large 
very capable companies are also going to try to make and the barriers to entry, although they're there, are going to fall eventually. There's a lot of competition on electric vehicles and lo and behold, why were Tesla's quarterly numbers not that good? They had to lower prices. Why yeah, the price cuts are never, Why never. companies have to lower price? Because competition is coming in. So there was some, there is, I agree with you, highly volatile stock. I would also argue some of this was foreseeable. These days, it seems like the Tesla bulls are increasingly talking about non-car business lines at Tesla. They're like, Tesla is going to get in the battery game. It's going to get in the software game. It's going to get in the robo-taxi game. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put it past Musk, by the way. Yeah. That guy's absolutely. done incredible stuff. Absolutely. But uh, Aswat Damodaran, the valuation guru over at NYU, has recently done a valuation exercise looking at what those additional business lines could be worth. And Damodaran's argument is even if you make relatively optimistic assumptions about the growth potential in, say, robo-taxis, it's hard to justify a valuation higher than 185 bucks a share. Tesla's currently at 225 So it's still, you know, even pricing in a lot of good news at a pretty optimistic valuation. There's about to be a film about Elon Musk as well, or there's a film has been um, put into uh, really? has been yeah film rights for his life story. So I just feel like the way that he has been turned into a hero helps his own stock so much. And yes, I don't know. It's it's true. Who's going to play? Wait, 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 wait. Who's going to play Elon Musk? Let's think about this for a second. Uh, who's the palest actor? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the movie. Actually, <laughs> the palest actor, the Elon Musk story. All right. Well, we will check back in in just a couple months when the year is over to see how both of your portfolios did. So far, Rob, 1.8 percentage points in the lead. That's not a big margin. It, it could very easily flip. These are volatile stocks. We'll have to see if Elaine's bet on Apple will pay off in the last couple weeks of the year. All right, both. We'll be back in a minute with Long Short. There is a quality bias that um, that has overtaken a lot of the desires for investors. And so the reason we suspect that's happening is there's a fear that, you know, given this historical rate hiking cycle around the world, there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously. To hear more about managing risk in the face of uncertainty, subscribe to PGIM's The Outthinking Investor in your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. This is Long Short, that part of the show where we go long a thing that we love, short a thing that we hate. Rob, are you long or short something? I'm long something. I'm long the Magnificent Seven. Oh, yeah. But not the stocks. The 1960 movie. Ah. Uh. Fantastic movie. Cast included Yul Brenner, Charles Bronson, Steve McQueen, and James Coburn, which means there was more badassery in that movie than there currently exists in the entire world. Everyone should wa watch this movie. It's awesome. It's way better than the stocks. <laughs> All right, Elaine, are you short something? Oh, can I go long as well? Yes, you sure. Can. Yeah. Sure. This is my first trip to Chicago, so I'm long Chicago. Great city. I think it's one of the most fun cities I've been to in the US. My hotel feels like a cruise ship. I got here at 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Everybody was buzzed across the whole of the hotel. I love it. It's also affordable. It's, it's like really a, affordable, It's a proper yeah. big American city that yeah. you can afford to be in. Well, it's, it's awesome. Interesting. You live in New York. Your bar is low. I know, but try San Francisco. <laughs> I live in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Try London. Try any of these. Chicago feels like a global city, but it's priced like the Midwest. It's yeah. awesome. 
It's awesome. All right, Elaine, thanks for being here. We'll have you back very soon to review your either victory or defeat to Rob Armstrong's portfolio. Looking forward to it. <laughs> thanks both for being here. And listeners, we'll be back in your feed on Thursday with another episode of Unhedged. Catch you then. Unhedged is produced by Jake Harper and edited by Bryant Erstadt. Our executive producer is Jacob Goldstein. We had additional help from Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Special thanks to Laura Clark, Alistair Mackey, Jacob Weisberg, and Jess Trulia. FT Premium subscribers can get the Unhedged newsletter for free. A 30-day free trial is available to everyone else. Just go to ft.com slash unhedged offer. I'm Ethan Wu. Thanks for listening. 